God's exhortation to Moses in Leviticus and Jesus' teaching for the disciples in Matthew lay down an almost unbelievable challenge. First, God says, Be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And Paul says, You are the temple of the Spirit, and that temple is holy. And Jesus says, So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And Phil says, Dear God, you can't be serious. <laughs> it all seems a bit too much to ask of us, ordinary men and women who are pretty good most of the time, but holy or perfect seems beyond reach, at least in this life. And yet, if we take Paul seriously, to be God's temple, it seems to me, means to be a visible sign of the presence of God in life and in the world now. The gospel examples that Jesus gives in this series of you have heard, but I say to you, those gospel examples don't give us a whole lot of comfort at how we might go about being holy. In fact, they are pretty demanding. Avoid grudges and revenge, turn the other cheek, give up your spare tunic, go the extra mile, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. A contemporary spiritual writer, Judy Loeb, wrote a book on forgiveness a few years ago that she titled forgiving the people you love to hate. <laughs> forgiveness is not easy, she writes. We hold back our forgiveness when we have been hurt by the words and actions of others, when our dignity and goodness have been questioned or seriously damaged. We don't find it easy to step up to forgiveness. In fact, sometimes it doesn't seem to make any sense at all. How can we forgive those clergy, coaches, neighbors, relatives, movie producers who have abused children and other vulnerable people? How can we forgive terrorists who kill innocent people in shopping malls, in synagogues, in churches, in mosques, at concerts, in schools, in playgrounds. We see demeaning expressions and hatred in political discourse. In the church between the conservative Catholics who throw cherished cultural items and icons into the Tiber River and liberals who lash out at how slow-moving reform is among church leaders, including Pope Francis. And so, I don't know about you, but I find myself easily caught up in the anger and the hatred 
and I'm not always so sure how to get out of it. There really are people I love to hate. That's why today's readings are so challenging and disturbing. And are they also unrealistic? But something in, inside, inside of me says that they call us to another logic, to use the phrase of Emmanuel Katongole, a Ugandan theologian. Call us to another logic. Paul would probably say to another wisdom that's beyond that of the world, that's beyond the hatred and the revenge and the holding of grudges that can diminish us and diminish who we can be. This is the wisdom I think Paul is talking about that calls us to be as God is. Or in the words of the psalmist, to be kind and merciful, abounding in kindness. Is this possible? There are days when I can easily say no. But I think there's still something deep inside of all of us that argues with that posture. That something is at the very heart of the gospel. Not only today's gospel, but the whole gospel. It's the very center of what it means to be a disciple with what it means to be Christian. It's a bit ragged. It's a little bit edgy. Makes us bleed a little bit. But it's wrapped in truthfulness. If we can't forgive the people we love to hate, if we continue to cherish the grudge, standing on, as Maggie Smith says, on my moral high ground, I may end up burdened and embittered. I will deny my own identity as the temple of God, which is holy. Something tells me that it's okay to be angry at injustice and selfishness at abusive behavior and political incivility, at clericalism, cover-ups, and oppression. Something tells me that there are better and more godly ways of resisting evil than by hatred and revenge. Something tells me that if we are open to it, God will find a way to enlighten our minds and persuade us to soften our hearts. Something tells me that if we take one or two small steps toward reconciliation, and if we only acknowledge our desire to forgive, we have at least begun the journey. We've begun to patch the brokenness. Is this something deep in me, the Holy Spirit whispering in her temple? Is this what it means to become a fool for the sake of the gospel? Is this the wisdom of God? Can we do that? 
It might seem foolish to think that we can. But Paul says, this kind of foolish thinking comes from worldly thinking. There's another way to be a fool of the gospel, to embrace the wisdom of God. It may confuse and even astonish others, but it puts us on the path to holiness.